Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Green Room Podcast on the Handshake Media Network. I'm your host, Neil Griffiths. Hope you're doing well. Happy Friday. Hope your week's been great. This is obviously a pre-recorded intro because I did this interview a couple of days ago. It was with Craig David, who, as you would all know, I'm a massive fan of. He came on this podcast, I think in early 2019. I think it was when we were the music podcast. Not even the Green Room yet. Still babies. Um, But he was in the country... Earlier this week, I think he might still be in Byron Bay, uh, but he did some shows in Perth and Sydney, um, and he came on the podcast to catch up, say hi, before he goes back to the UK to do a gigantic arena tour in support of the 20th anniversary of his debut album, Born to Do It. If you're a Craig David fan, you know that album very well. It's obviously got some of his hits like Fill Me In, Seven Days, Walking Away, and he, he came on the show early this week to discuss the album, the anniversary. I mean, we, we kind of touched on this last time he was on about the album being so successful and him kind of hitting a wall after that and now kind of making a comeback uh, with his TS5 project. So we talk about the album, the making of it, where he was at when he recorded it. I think he was only 19 at the time and where he's at in his life now. I mean, we discussed some of the, the newer artists like your, your Biebers and your Billie Eilish's. Um, I mean, Craig, when Born to Do It came out, was still very young and that album blew up almost immediately. Um, So we talk about that. We talk about new music on the way, uh, when we can expect him back in Australia. Um, It's a really good chat. Craig is always a great guy to talk to. So uh, here is my interview with Craig David. All right. For the second time on the Green Room podcast, he's back. He's in Australia. Craig David, sir, welcome back to the country. Welcome back to the Green Room podcast. Man, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. How are you? Good, man. I'm I'm good. I'm I'm still in Sydney. I'm still doing the same thing that I was doing when? When, when was you here? January last year? Uh you you seem to be doing well apparently. Do you know what? Everything's great, man. I'm just like I'm really just enjoying the journey. It's it's wicked. And last time that we, we spoke and stuff, it was like, you know, you sort of you're deep into into the album and, and music that's coming out. I think now it's 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 Similar in, in a lot of respects, but also kind of seeing the bigger picture of what's going on while we're, we're traveling and putting our music. Yeah, so you're in Perth right now. When did you get to Australia? So I got to Perth um, yesterday um, and hit the ground running. And then we're here for we're, good, we're here for about a good week. So I hope I get to adjust and spend some time and, and just enjoy the downtime as much as being on stage performing. Because I only got in yesterday, it's like I'm just been just enjoying bed to be honest was the, was the first thing um, <laughs> after all the flying and then and then yeah and then I, I don't want to I don't want it to be where I'm, I completely stay on say UK time because it can take about four or five days before your head sort of gets into the Australian time zone so I still want to actually enjoy it and not sort of come away saying oh I didn't really take anything away from the place you know yeah. so I'm going to make sure I delve out there yeah I mean it's exciting dude because I think correct me if I'm wrong in 2018 you were here with TS5 uh, then you came back last year as Craig David with the band. Now you're back with TS5 again. So three times in three years, but changing it up. Um, dude, it is good to have you back in the country. No, do you know what? I'm, I love it when I come to Australia, seriously, because it, one, I have such fond memories of when I first came here. And every time I've come since, the love has been reciprocated so much. And... And it's great to be able to come here with different kinds of shows. Like I can come and do my TS5 like DJ performance, um, but then also come over with my band and, and do live band shows. So 
I kind of love the ability to flex between different kinds of performances, which is great. Because in April, you kick off a huge arena tour of, of the UK, and then in May, you go back to TS5 through Europe. Yes. So um, we've got... I mean, the beautiful thing of it, again, is like being able to to create that kind of house party build with my TS5 DJ sets, which for anyone who hasn't um, come to one of the shows, it's kind of more than just they mixing songs together. Um, it's very much a, a full-on like, performance doing all my songs from back in the day and also new stuff, but also mixing and blending other people's records and instrumentals. But then to take it then into the arenas that we're doing in the UK, um, which is amazing to go on an arena tour and to take the band and to do TS5 as well, it's just going to be wicked. Yeah, I mean, the, the TS5 game as well, you're evolving, it seems, month by month. I mean, I was pretty lucky. I think I saw the first TS5 show you did in Australia, which was in a, in a club setting. Uh, and then since then, obviously, you've been going to festivals around the world. Some of the recent remixes you've been doing, like the Wild Thoughts with Music Sounds Better with You, the Seven Days Remix with No Guidance by Chris Brown and Drake, these are good enough to be your own songs. I appreciate you, man. Do you, do you know what? It's, I think that's kind of the beauty of what TS5 is all about. It just allows me to have the freedom to approach it like as if I was... Back in the day, I would always be excited about buying records that had the acapella from, from one record and, and the instrumental from another. But what I can do now with my shows is, is that I can actually take an instrumental that I love right now or it's the one that, that's popping off. But then also either throw back acapella over it or do something different over it live, which I think kind of is, I don't know, I think it feels a USP. It's very unique to go out there and to, to do it in that way as opposed to just being a, a remix you put online. So I kind of love that people get that experience. Yeah, we spoke about this briefly as well when you were here last year, but for people who aren't aware of the story, can you tell them the significance of Will I Am in the TS5 story? Yeah, I mean, do you know what? It started, so it started off in, in Miami. Um, actually, to be honest, it actually started off as before I released my first album when I was making mixtapes and mix CDs in my bedroom back in Southampton in the UK. Um, and I'd always be mixing songs and I'd be jumping on the mic and I'd be freestyling over records. And then fast forward to me buying a home in, in, in Miami and I started to sell a house by. And at my apartment is called TS5. So people would come over and invite friends and we'd just be playing music and I'd be, you know, just literally just mixing records. Then I got a microphone and started to host the party and started to do a couple of ad-libs over the records. Then I started to drop a couple of instrumentals. Um, and started to freestyle over them. And then people would ask for me to sing some of my songs, which at first I was like, I don't know about really if that's what I wanted to do at my own house party. But then I started to kind of warm to it. And then little did I know is it started to become part of my show. So now it's kind of 70, 80% my own songs and then 20 to 80% of other people's records being mixed in and out. So that's now what I take around the world and, and do as part of my, my DJ performance. It's a very special year as well. Obviously, it's the start of the new decade, but it is the 20th anniversary of your debut album, Born to Do It. So first of all, congratulations. Uh, does it feel like 20 years has passed? Do you know what? Let me firstly thank you, man. It's, it, it, it kind of it feels in some respects, when I think back of the nostalgia and what was going on, that you're like, wow, like I was, that 20 years, I can, I can remember it so vividly. Um, and it also feels like it was yesterday because I think that now I've really embraced and adopted 
the playfulness that I had when I was making my first album. Because I think once you overcomplicate it and start to become reactive, you start to make music that you're kind of guessing what the next move is. Whereas when I made my first album, I didn't have any reference points. So I was just having fun and seeing what goes, seeing what works and what doesn't, doesn't. And I think getting back to that has been a real plus point in my career of kind of having relevancy because I think that means that you start to do things that are a bit different and don't work off of what you've done before. Do you remember the date the release was 14th of August 2000? Do you remember what you were doing the day of release? I wish I, I wish I could. Um, <laughs> I know that, I know that seriously, I, I mean, I know that that period of time, um, in general, I just felt like I was surfing a wave because Phil Ian had like gone to number one, seven days, um, was about to go to number one, and then the album dropped very shortly after that. And then seeing that kind of being predicted to go to number one, and it was just like to have come from all these dreams and aspirations and then seeing it actually come to fruition was was an amazing thing to see. So I, I think just in general, as a kid, I was just like, everything that was happening was all new. It was the first time experiencing any of this stuff in such magnitude. So it was just an amazing feeling. I don't know if you've confirmed or denied this rumor before, but is it true before Born to Do It came out, or even before you started recording that, Jennifer Lopez wanted to do a song with you and you declined because you wanted to do your own thing first. True or false? I would love that to have been true <laughs> in terms of me being able to work with J-Lo at that time. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it, no, it, it didn't. That never happened. Do you know what I mean? I think that it would have been one of the... I mean, J-Lo, I had posters of Jennifer Lopez on my wall for a minute. Like, <laughs> if that opportunity had come through, I would have jumped there. But um, yeah, one of those ones, you know? Yeah. Do you remember, I mean, that period of time again, like when that album dropped, like looking through the track list of Born to Do It, like you mentioned Fill Me In, you mentioned Seven Days, you mentioned Walking Away, but Can't Be Messing Around, Rendezvous, Time to Party, Booty Man, like this is a near perfect album. Does a part of you wish you held on to some of these songs for a second album? Do you know what? I think it's one of those things again, like because, because I'm just enjoying having so much fun when I was making that first album, um, and I've enjoyed all my albums since then in different ways that there's something special about that album because it was I was just a kid with dreams and I was just fulfilling them by going to the studio recording going to the studio recording going to the clubs being in so in what was happening musically buying all the records on vinyl as soon as they were released getting the inputs that were coming in from, from America so just my knowledge of music and everything that was going on all played part and also growing up, I mean, in the 90s, when you've got like Tupac and Biggie mm. and Jay-Z and Dr. Dre, at the start like of, of when it was going on, and man, such a good time to be to be alive. So I think that for me, carrying it through was always going to be kind of difficult in terms of just like, again, you're going to, have, you're going to be reactive to stuff because you're going to try and make another album that has a similar feel. Which actually, I kind of went the opposite in some respects. So, I, Watch Your Flavor was very different from the first album as a single. Yeah. Um, because I thought otherwise it would be a bit of a carbon copy of the first album. Um, so, I'm glad I did because it allowed me some freedom to creatively, as opposed to trying to be a born to be a part two. Because you were so successful at that young age, and I don't know if you remember our last conversation when you were in Sydney last year, and a song that obviously you you claimed to be one a song that kind of was like, I guess spoke about your career for the next couple of years, which was Rise and Fall with Sting. 
did you learn a lot of hard lessons about the music industry? I mean, being such a hot asset at such a young age? You know, the funny thing with Rose Paul, I think, is that that song was very much, in hindsight, that back, a song that was very much predicting the next chapter of what was going to prevail in my life. Because I, I very much experienced that high and that low, I mean, the, the rise and fall of it. I mean, I'm just... And also, just the way in which the verses and the choruses really felt like they were, they were, the timeline was happening. And then when you get to the middle eight of the song, there's this moment of redemption of kind of, oh, can I have one more chance? I've realised this is really what I want to do. And and singing that song now, having experience and having that chance to continue and, and to be on top of my game, yeah, I think it's amazing to think how how ahead of the game this, that song was mm. in terms of me predicting my future um, so I guess it definitely recognize, I recognize to be careful what you say in songs because they can, they can definitely play out yeah well I mean what was your personal experience coming through because you often hear many cautionary tales about artists or bands who they're making a lot of friends as they get to the top of the mountain and then once that mountain falls then everyone wants, just wants to walk away from it but you came out of the gates hot almost immediately yeah, I mean, do you know what I think? Because growing up in a time also where there wasn't as much technology and we didn't have social media like we have now, I think a lot of the groundwork that I did growing up really helped me instead when it came to actually going out and performing, which I definitely do pride myself on going out and performing and being on top of my game. And vocally, I'd like to say that I can push myself to try and sound better than the records when I'm in the studio. Um, and... I think that that has, that has definitely been one of the pluses that kind of, I think, over the course of 20 years so far now, that has allowed me to ride those, those lows and to know that, actually, as more of a metaphor for life, is that don't get too attached to the highs because with highs, there's comes with lows. That's just life. And so if you can be as balanced as you possibly can, and recognize if you're having like crazy success and it all seems to be like everything touched down to gold, enjoy it. But don't get mad attached to it. And it's hard to do that when it's happening. Only through experience and wisdom and hindsight, you look back and say, well, if you can have more of a balanced approach and know that when you're having a low, it doesn't become so low because you're like, oh, okay, I've been here before. You've got to ride with a little time. Maybe you're not a hot thing for a minute. Keep it going. If you do, if you love what you do and you genuinely passionate about it you'll always have that rise again and um, so i'm just grateful and i and i realize in my career i'm ready at any point where i'm like oh man this is a bit tough again cool okay we ride that keep writing songs and hopefully coming on the other end of it i mean you seem to have mastered that like riding those highs and riding those lows are you at a point where you can kind of ignore both because as we've discussed before, you're, you're doing the craig david shtick you're doing the ts5 shtick you're blending in and out as much as you please are you able to kind of just put your blinkers on and ignore the outside noise, whether everyone is crazy about Craig David or whether you've been out of the game for a little while? Yeah. Do you know why I think it's because, because I'm able to reframe what, why I'm doing all this from maybe what the young kid who, was, who wanted to go out there and show the world how, how I could sing and what music I was creating. It's changed for me now because I'm now seeing a couple of generations listening to my music and the effect that those songs have had. So when you have the hindsight of, wow, I, I sing this song and 
thousands of people singing the words back to you and it meaning something so so important to them and having a time stamp in their life, you then realize that actually you're giving people a memory that they can hold on to for the rest of their life. With that in mind, it goes way, transcends way beyond what chart position you go in and how many streams you've got. We're now talking about giving people a form of healing without them even knowing it. They come and they've got all the problems of the world and they come to one of your shows and they lose, lose themselves in joy for an hour and a half or they listen to one of my songs for three and a half minutes and they, they feel that life is a bit better and they can say, you know what, life isn't so bad. I get that now as my thing. So then I never have this up and down thing because my, I've changed what my reference point is. It's not about the chart. So then you don't, you don't get too concerned with it, which is great. Did you ever consider walking away, no pun intended, during that time you said when things weren't going your way? No, because all it does is it gives you, when things aren't, don't seem to be going, let's say, to plan, or things are a little bit harder than maybe they used to be, it, it builds character and it, asks, it allows you to ask the question, do you really want this? Or is this some sort of joke thing that you're sort of just like messing about? Do you actually really like want this? And if the answer is yes, then what happens is you almost go back to basics. You get super playful, start making music again. And then when you start to ease up and get playful, it's a real paradox. People tend to tighten up and get very restrictive with success. If you can get more playful, which is kind of hard and harder than the eye of the storm, that's where you have these moments of breakthroughs of, of a song comes through out of nowhere or you do something super spontaneous rather than doing the reactive thing. And then you end up kind of enjoying what you do and as soon as you enjoy it, it has a mirror effect. Then it seems like, oh wow, this is really easy. It's flowing again. Mm. So it's all about flow. Man. So I never, never want to walk away because I've always wanted to make music. I just love it. Can, so, you, can you relate to the... Can you relate to those stories from those younger artists? Like, I'm not sure how much you're in tune with what's going on in Justin Bieber's life, but he's been pretty open about the fact that in the last couple of years, he was drinking, he was taking drugs, he really wasn't paying attention to his music career, and it got to a point where it almost like he didn't even want to do music anymore. Did you, or could you have related to what was going on at a young age for yourself? I mean, I think he was very much heightened um, with Justin Bieber. I mean, it was like... It was a huge phenomenon. He was on the cusp of social media starting to happen and like the word viral and it being like, wow, this is something we haven't experienced before. Like to have that many people following and that much kind of expectation. And it's hard on anyone who's young coming through. I think for me, thankfully, because there wasn't that social media, um, which kind of could exacerbate the situation and make it a lot quicker. I had a bit of time, even though it was fast for me, don't get me wrong, it was super fast, but it was the time, you know? Like when I was going to a different country, it was like, you're traveling to a different country and you're then experiencing it at a slightly slower rate, whereas now, you drop the music, everyone's on what you've done. You say something, everyone's on what you're saying. Yeah. So I think that for me, it's, it's kind of interesting kind of watching how it all plays out because I have a lot of respect for anyone who is able to confront some of the, the, the darker times and be able to talk about it because I think then people then start to relate to you in a slightly different way and realize that yeah, actually you're a human being who has feelings that's had incredible success um, and then it, you start to get this there's a connection so I kind of really I'm really proud of how Justin's kind of been able to 
go on a roller coaster ride and then be at a point in his life where he can actually talk about these things. And people are like, oh, wow, there's another depth and layer to you than just the Justin Bieber we know as, as a, a great pop star. And it's great, I mean, you've done it yourself because we're talking about this April tour. You're, for those who don't know, the O2 Arena in, in the UK is one of the, the more iconic London venues and you're, you've already sold out one. I think the seconds are close to selling out as well. Is that right? Yeah, we'll be close on the, on the second one too, which is amazing to think. I mean, like, I still, I still get that, that the butterflies in my stomach when I think of that. I mean, that's 16,000 people in, in the O2, so I think it was actually like twice there and then you know, eight dates up and down the country in the arena. It, it, it gives me butterflies to think that that many people are coming out to see me perform and to make it part of their, their on the calendar of the date that they're going to come up with their friends and they're going to go to a restaurant beforehand and they're going to stay in a hotel maybe and, and stay there. I just I love that. I think, wow, to, to, to be that. I mean, you have to be very grateful as an artist to be in a position where people will, will make it such an event rather than just that the performance you seem to have such like a humble sense of what a musician or a, a to be blunt a famous person should behave because you know there are people who do take that for granted or you know they get to a certain level of success and they just think fuck everyone like i'm i'm the guy you're all here because of me do, do, do you know what i think that each of their own and i'm not one to judge i mean everyone's gonna you, you learn in your own way some faster than others some have to learn the hard way. Some some learn very quickly. I'm just very grateful that I don't know. I've just been able to I don't know, just been able to see a lot clearly as to what's go, what what's really going on and the gift that God's given me as being able to perform and to take the platform that I've been able to create over the 20 years mm. and use it now with the responsibility that I now realise that I have and be able to use it in a positive way that's not just self-gratifying. Um, it's not just about oh, what chart positions, not just about how many records have you sold, how much money is in your bank account. I mean, I'm blessed to live the life I live now. And I want to be able to then use this platform to then go out and make people's lives better because I think if you waste it, it's, I mean, each to their own, like I said, but it's a shame when you think, wow, you've built something so amazing and your voice means something now more than just a song the things you say, the way you carry yourself, use that. So I hope that I can be an advocate for someone who's been in it for 20 years so far and people can say, you know, I can draw some inspiration and say, you know what, I'd like to be in some ways similar to him in some way and, you know, nuanced in your own little way too. So what is inspiring you? I mean, this far along, I mean, you mentioned before growing up in the 90s, you had Tupac and Biggie and we talk about the, the big artists now, your Justin Bieber's, your Ed Sheeran's, your Billie Eilish's. I mean, that's a musical standpoint, but even just the world around us. I mean, obviously the last couple of months in Australia have been crazy with the bushfires. The UK has just uh, had Brexit. Like, it is a very different world, both musically and non-musically. 100% my man. Like, and, and I think what the beauty of us being so much, so much more connected in that sense and everything feeling very local is like, Something as as impactful as the, as the wildfires that's been happening out here in Australia is that people back in the UK can feel that people could actually see it real time and, and could actually make a difference and help real time rather than it being this sort of very distant thing that's happening somewhere else. And I think that that's the kind of beauty, beautiful side of the internet and social media is that if it's used correctly, it connects you. You start to feel that 
no, I need to get involved with this. I may live a million miles away, but I need to stand up and say something or use my platform to help. Or, and I think that's that's one of the most beautiful things that I had seen of that side of it. Um, and a long way that continue. And I think even more so, we're seeing more of that happening where people start to recognize that, come on, use your platform now. This yeah. is not just about how many, how many followers I've got for, for, for you selling some product or selling something, you know? Yeah. All right, so before you go, we do have to ask about the music because you released Following My Intuition in 2016. You followed that up with The Time Is Now in 2018. Can we expect a new Craig David album in 2020? 100%. I'm, <sighs> I'm ready. I've got the songs. I mean, I'm always trying to write a couple of extra songs just to kind of, you know, see if I can trump the ones that I've already got. <laughs> but I am ready for a 2020 album. And we've got some R&B stuff on there that, I'd like to think my fans have been with me for a long time. Will be like, ah oh, man, he is on his R and B Which is pretty good considering Born to Do It was all about the R and B. Do we have release dates? Do we have an album title? You know, I haven't got a release date, um, and I also haven't got an album title because I always end up kind of slightly changing it. But I would definitely say I can confirm that will be this year for sure because I'm just grateful that I can be one of those artists that. People, I think, feel, I think my fans feel like they still want a body of work for me rather than just being like single, single, single. I think the new generation are cool with the singles because maybe that wasn't something that they were used to, but people who've grown up with board spirits, looking average, story bows, and so so, they want a body of work. So I want to just create that and make sure that, you know, it gives people that feeling they're looking for. Do we can't wait. We hope you come back to Australia for that album release for a, for a wider tour. And, um, yeah, man, we'll we'll talk real soon. Thank you, man. No, you know, I, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for, again, having me on your podcast because you, you ask the right you ask the right questions. You take it to different places. You bring out great things from different artists. And coming back out to Australia is... I mean, I'd love to get a place out here, to be honest. I'd have to try and find a little place. I don't know, there's something Byron Bay or, you know, find a little place in Sydney. I love the, the vibe here. It feels like home. So it's something that... I like to spend longer durations here rather than a week or two weeks at a time. It'd be nice to like spend time here. So mm. we'll put it we'll put it out there. Well, dude, come by whenever you want. Thank you so much again, and um, yeah, we'll see you on the podcast soon again, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. Bye, boy. That's our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Green Room Podcast here on the Handshake Media Network. Uh, if you like what you heard, go check out the other Green Room episodes on themusic.com.au. Uh, and check out some of the other shows, including Matter of Faction and That Sucks. We'll be back next week. I'll talk to you all then.